Hey guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to my weekly podcast, This Is Life Unfiltered, where I talk to really successful entrepreneurs and social activists and people who just truly inspire me. So a few years ago, I want to say I came across Sarah Happ, and I think that the brand actually sent me some items. I think maybe I found you at J. Crew. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was somewhere, and I remember using it, and my sister was like, oh my gosh, I love that. Like, get them to send me free stuff. And no I was way. like, Melissa doesn't work like that. And now, <laughs> now to have... Like an entrepreneur like yourself actually sitting next to me. And if my sister loves, she's super into beauty, beauty stuff, then I know that like you're actually like meant to be successful. Um, But before I get into this, make sure to follow the podcast on social media at at T-I-L-U podcast, as well as my personal social media at at Alexa underscore Curtis. So Sarah, you started a company back in 2005. You had been working at ESPN, which is in Connecticut. Yes. And you went on to take over the lip care slash beauty market. Take us all the way back to the beginning. How did this start? Thank you. Well, Alexa, we're trying. First of all, thank you for having me. And I just love, um, I love young podcast listeners. I wish I had podcast like anything when I was your age <laughs> yeah. and your audience's age. Um, so, all right. So I, I went to school for broadcast journalism in college at USC and I thought, hi, <laughs> live and that's super fun. Um, so I thought that that's like what I wanted to do. And I got this pretty cool job out of college with ESPN, which is sports television in Connecticut where Alexa grew up. And, uh, so I moved from LA to Connecticut and I say that I was inspired by how uninspired I was at my job. People that I worked with loved their job so much and they were so good at it. Like if you work at ESPN, you are so good at what you do. And I would go home at night and I would like take a bubble bath with 19 products and read Allure and In Style and Cosmopolitan and all my coworkers would go home and consume all of our ESPN product. You know, they'd watch four games and they'd watch all the sports centers and I just realized that I wasn't doing what I loved, but I didn't have an answer. I wasn't like, this is what I love. But um, (laughs) I kind of stumbled across the notion of a lip scrub because I am a scrubber. I scrub too much. (laughs) And I Googled it. I was like, I just want a lip scrub because I have a scrub for my hands, my face, my body. You know, I have one for every part of me. Why wouldn't I have a lip scrub? Googled it in 2005 before probably many of you were born and there were no results. And for there to be no results on Google is like bananas. So I got chills. And then I realized that I'd been reading my beauty editor um, loves for so long. And they all said exfoliate your lips with a wet washcloth or a toothbrush. And I was like, wait a minute. If I can't buy this at like Sephora or Nordstrom and beauty editors are hacking this, like why would I put a toothbrush on my lips? That sounds like a horrible idea. I can make this myself. So actually sitting on my desk every day is this like all these tear outs of every magazine that I had that said that back in 2005. Um, And it was a hole in the market. So I went to my kitchen and um, our photographer, Maddie, is here. She will tell you I don't make anything in my kitchen. (laughs) Like I'll make a smoothie and tea. That's pretty much it. So I went to my kitchen though. And I was like, um, I can make this myself. Like, I know it should be delicious. It should remove all the dead skin. It should make my lips come to life. I wanted to just solve my chapped lips entirely. And in two weeks, I came up with a formula that I'd, of all these ingredients that I'd gotten at like Whole Foods, basically. Um, and it was delicious and it worked. And the lip scrub was just, I was obsessed with it. So I thought, okay, I was 25 at the time. And I was like, all right, if I'm this obsessed with it, I bet there are girls out there like me and probably beauty editors would be obsessed with this too. 
So at that time, had you left ESPN? No, 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 I didn't. And I say, I say a lot to like, especially young people, like don't, don't quit your day job, first of all. And having bosses is a really good thing. I feel like today everyone wants to like, you know, become their own boss right away or start a company. And like the greatest thing I did was have so many bosses. I did every internship and I volunteered and I, I had many, many bosses. And I also kept my day job until I was certain that this thing would go. And startups fail all the time, right? So the notion that it was going to like go was a risk. So no, I worked at ESPN and I did this, like today we call it a side hustle. Like I did it on nights and weekends all the time. Like I didn't sleep. I just made lip scrub. I love that you say that because every single entrepreneur had some type of main job for the most part that kept them stable throughout those main key times, especially when you need money, when you're starting a startup. Right. So you create this lip scrub and then what's the next step? The next, yeah. So the next step is to take it to, um, from Connecticut, from my Connecticut kitchen, I brought it out to a few indie boutiques here in LA. Um, Alexa and I are at the Pacific Design Center right now. It's in West Hollywood. And I, like the first store I sold to was this place in Brentwood, like right up the road. And I, I went to these small boutiques that were female-owned, female-founded, really small boutiques. And I met with like five different women who own these stores. And I just said, listen, I made this in my kitchen. And I know you don't have anything like it because it doesn't exist. And all five women were like, done. Like, how many can I buy? And wrote me a check on the spot. Again, this was like back in the days of checks. But you know, I, they, they wrote me a check and I left like screaming in my car that I had like $360 in my pocket from a store from the stuff that I made in my kitchen. But I made a deal with each of those, um, each of those store owners. I made a deal with them knowing that it's LA and there are like celebrities here. I said, if any celebrity that you really love, that's a customer comes in, give them whatever they want for free. Say it's a gift from you and me and just give them whatever they want. And then I will pay you back double. So if you give away 36 lip scrubs, I will make you 72 and overnight them. And every, all five of the women were like, what? You do that for me? And I was like, uh, yeah, seems like a really good deal for me, you know? Um, and again, I think that's where like, I didn't go to business school. I didn't, so I didn't realize that that wasn't like a thing to do. And Reese Witherspoon went into a store in Brentwood and, um, bought like they she just bought it for holiday and that was a really big deal and then I hired a publicist in New York because for those of you who don't know you've got huge fans like Reese Gwyneth Paltrow people across the board who are obsessed with Sarah Happ thanks and that's say that that's fine okay you've got diehard fans um and those are some those are some big names okay yeah no there are there are no we have yeah yeah it's I think because you also are sold on Goop too. We're, or I saw you in a Goop guide or something. Gwyneth is really great. She yeah. wears our stuff a lot. Yeah. And she did. Oh, yeah. She totally Gooped us. Yeah, yeah. We're not sold on Goop, but she Gooped us. And um, <laughs> I love it that Goop is, a, I use it as a verb. Uh, but no, she's been wonderful. And she always lets us tag her and use her, and, which is incredible of her. But yeah, we have some really lovely women that support us and that have supported us since 2005, which is incredible. So the next move, and this is where I think people think things happen overnight and they don't. They don't. You're so right. They really stuff, don't. No. no. Like stuff doesn't happen overnight. So while I was working at ESPN, making the stuff in my kitchen, Reese Witherspoon got it, you know, Gwyneth got it. Um, I hired a publicist and I put my entire savings, which was somewhere around it, like I think it was like eight grand or something like that. I just gave, I just gave the publicist, I was like, listen, I can't pay you 
anymore until you get me press. Like you get me press and I will pay you. And she was like, that's not how this works. Um, but you're adorable and I believe in this product and I'm just going to take you on. And so she did. And we went and we met with every beauty editor in Manhattan and every beauty editor said the same thing. Like, why didn't I think of that? I've never seen anything like this. And it just hit. Um, my publicist is here, Katie, and PR is such a big deal. It's such a good investment because people know when stuff is an ad, especially today. People are very aware and like younger generations are very aware of when things are like paid for. This wasn't paid. Like this was just a lure writing about it or people writing about it. So um, we got into People Magazine on a Thursday in 2006. My website crashed. I had thousands of orders. Still working at ESPN. And I, my website just was down. And it looked like a virus had hit my website. And I went into my boss's office <laughs> like the, after that weekend. And I'd been making lip scrub like furiously. And um, I was like, listen, I showed her people. And I'm like, this happened this weekend. She was like, oh, I was on the airplane reading this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's another Sarah Happ out there. And she has such a great idea. And I was like, this girl. And she was wonderful to me. She was so lovely. She was like an original girl boss. And she was like, go do your thing. I'm so proud of you. When you were a kid, did you ever expect to be an entrepreneur? When I was a kid, I sort of had problems with authority. So maybe that like should have clued people into me. Like probably, like had I known that word. But yeah, I can also remember like selling like school supplies to my friends. Like I wouldn't trade. I'd be like, well, I think my eraser is better than yours. So I think you owe me a dollar. You know, yeah. like I, I saw the value in like commodity. Of course. Yeah. So I think that kind of like salesy thing was always in me. Um, I do know that I loved lip products though. That's for sure. Like the first thing I ever purchased with my own money was a lip smacker. I was five. What was it about lip products? Like is, as a woman, does that, or was that always something that just made you feel super confident? Because what you created, you found a gap in the market. I mean, you're mm -hmm. right. It was such a specific idea and it, and it works. <laughs> Very niche. Nobody else was doing it. But, yeah. you know, as a female and especially female entrepreneur now, like, is there something that you find really beautiful about like lipstick or like a woman's lips or something? Yeah. It's, I think lip products are such a quick fix, you know, like, I, like, I think like lip products and like maybe like a blowout, like if you get your hair done and like your lips are, you just have like a really good gloss on your lips, you just feel more confident and you speak with your lips and it's just, you keep it in your purse. Like lip products to me are just so easy and it's such a quick boost. And that was, you know, the only thing I was allowed to wear at the age of five. And so that was just the most attractive piece of beauty to me. That totally makes sense. So when you were making these lip scrubs in your kitchen, how were you coming up with the ideas for the packaging? Like, was there a moment when mm -hmm. you were like, this is now a company? Mm -hmm. Because you said you flew out here and you sold it to mm -hmm. these five women at this store. But yeah. what kind of happened in between there? Like, how did you figure out even to name it after yourself? All yeah. these minor details that make a company. Oh, these are such good questions, Alexa. Oh. Um, <laughs> you should have a podcast. Really? So, no way. I'm thinking yeah. about that. <laughs> so, um, so I named the company after myself because... It was the only thing I could trademark. You couldn't trademark the word lip scrub. And I was like, what words haven't I gotten sick of? I'm going to get sick of something. I mean, I had like an entire document of different company names. And I was like, I'm going to get sick of all of these. My name I've had for 25 years. I'm going to just name it after myself. That was like the reason I named it myself. I didn't see it becoming a brand. It was just a product to me. I was launching a product that didn't exist into white space. I never thought of it as being like a company, you know? Um, what was the other part of the question? 
Um, how did you figure out like what the next steps oh, were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So packaging was a big deal. I just had to Google everything. I Googled like crazy. I researched like a crazy person. And I was like, I realized that this product was so niche. No one had heard of it. So the packaging had to be so cute that you had to want to buy the box off the shelf without knowing what was in it. So I imported truffle boxes from Italy. Again, like wiped out my savings account and put bows on everything and like hand labeled everything because it just had to be so pretty. It had to attract your attention like without even knowing what was in it. So packaging was a big deal. And this was back in 2005. So a period of probably 2005 to 2006 when social media really wasn't as... No, it didn't exist. It doesn't exist. Instagram, Facebook didn't exist. Mm -mm. So do you wish you had started the company now with the rise of social media because I, I really enjoyed what you said about the PR because mm-hmm. I'm such a firm believer in like traditional PR but yeah. now it's like oh if you're not viral or like you know you're not gooped within an hour like you're a, <laughs> like I'm a failure <laughs> yeah, and these failure. young people give up and that's not yeah. how it is no I mean I don't think so I also think the marketplace is just so wildly competitive right now because we all have basically our own channel we can all create our own message and Um, I think I actually got lucky by creating it 15 years ago when a hit in people and in style and Vogue and Allure would crash your website. Today, that doesn't happen. You can get the coolest piece of press or the coolest whatever. And like sometimes we don't know what's going to move the needle. Um, Random stuff can move the needle, but something more traditional might not or it might. So I, I actually feel lucky that I launched it 15 years ago. Not to say it's not a great idea to launch something today because you have all sorts of advantages and stuff does go viral and you do get 800,000 followers overnight. That happens. Um, But I think it's just a a really cutthroat market right now. Oh yeah. Do you think that it's gotten more cutthroat because of social media or do you think it would have evolved to be like this anyway? I think beauty would have evolved to be like this anyway, because there are just, there's just so many, there are so many smart people in beauty and there's so much beauty white space to be filled and beauty is just fun and like attainable and and quick and easy. And so um, I think we'd have gotten this way anyway. But, you know, I'm happy to have gotten in when I did. So you have a business partner now who you run the company with. Uh-huh. Correct. So you started as your own. Yeah. So yeah. how did you go about getting a business partner? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, that's not even waters they want to go into. They're like, this is me. This is my company. I don't want I don't want help or yeah. collaboration with anyone else. Yeah. So I grew the business really slowly and steadily with like, you know, two or three other people for 11 years. And that's cool. Um and that's a great way to do it. I was very like slow and steady and profitable and didn't raise money. And then I got this fire in my belly like three years ago. And I was like, wait a minute, like I need smarter minds around me. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Not that I was, but I had like, you know, my collaborators with me, like my squad. And I was like, no, I need grownups and I need people that are going to take this to the next level. Um, and I have no problem like seizing control. I think a lot of people think like it's my idea and I'm going to hold on to it. But I knew that like, I don't build good spreadsheets. I shouldn't be building a spreadsheet, you know, like I should be out creating product and I was trying to do everything myself and that's not wise. So I hired a president in 2017. Um, her name is Peggy Fry and she actually comes from tech. So her background is like AOL and Netflix. And she was such a brilliant higher because she looks at everything through like tech eyes and doesn't care how retail is done. She doesn't care how beauty is done. She's like, I have a better idea about how to structure this deal or how to get into that store or how to package this product. Um, because she just, you know, she's like outside eyes. So I love her and she allows me to get out of our office and, um, go on QVC and 
go do Nordstrom appearances and all the stuff that I love doing and create product. That's what I love doing. So she fills my weaknesses and I do stuff she doesn't want to do. And, you know, we like, we're like a really good, like symbiotic team. That's a huge important part that people overlook about entrepreneurship is mm-hmm. that you can't do everything. No, no, you'll just, re- you just won't sleep and that's not healthy. And obviously back in the day yeah. you were doing everything. And I bet as, yeah. as Sarah Happ evolved you as, as well as the brand, you realized you had weaknesses in many areas. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Not everyone can be amazing at. A hundred percent. Like I am not good at math. Like it's just not my Same. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I'm not good at it and I should, I have no business building a spreadsheet and I don't like managing people. I like leading, but I don't like day-to-day managing. And there are people that are so good at that. Peggy is so good at that. Um, so it's feeling, it's knowing what you don't know and then bringing in smarter people that inspire you too. You know, like she inspires me every day and then our team inspires me every day because they're so good at what they do. So let's take it back to when you came out to LA and you sold it to that first store. Yeah. What happened after that? You knew you had like a money idea. You figured mm-hmm. it out and like this was the idea. But at that yeah. point you had not left corporate. So you no. went back and told them that you were done. Oh, no, no, no. I went back. I mean, I, I had only sold it into five stores. So who knew it was going to happen? I went back and I began looking for labs to make the product with me because you can't make, I mean, I was making so much in mixing bowls. And like, I remember my parents buying me a KitchenAid mixer. It's still in my office, like the original KitchenAid mixer. And I was making it in, you know, let's say 20 pounds. And I was like, if this gets big, I'm going to have to make it in like thousands of pounds. Um, how do we scale up? So what I was doing while working at ESPN, let's say 2005, was meeting with labs all over the East Coast where a lot of cosmetics are made. And I got laughed out of like so many rooms, Alexa, because there were all these, frankly, men, and I love men. And some of the greatest people on our team are men who are so good at beauty. But it was a different time 15 years ago. And female founders were not what they are today in terms of like recognition and strength and like the I'd say like the sisterhood that we have, um, that didn't exist. So I would go into these rooms of men and they'd be like, well, we make product for all the big guys. And I'm like, do you mean the big girls? <laughs> um, and they'd be like, we make product for all the big guys and they've never asked for this. So it probably shouldn't exist. And I was like, no, that's exactly why it should exist. And they were like, well, then we're happy to make you a lip gloss. And I'm like, no, I want to make this thing called a lip scrub. I promise you, like get on board with me. And like, no one would. And then I found one lab in New Jersey And the guy was, I was so persistent and he wouldn't take a meeting with me. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. I definitely wasn't going to be in his neighborhood, but I drove to his neighborhood. (laughs) I was like, hi, I'm here. And he was like, you're so funny. Um, We don't even have the machinery to make this though. Like it doesn't exist because even if anyone asks for this, like there is no machinery that can make what you're doing in your kitchen. And I was like, listen, take this home to your wife this weekend, give it to all of her friends at soccer. Um, And if they don't like it, don't call me back. He called me Monday and he was like, all right, my wife and all of her friends at soccer are obsessed with this stuff. I guess I have to figure out how to make it. And he, you know, he took a real chance on me. And then we proceeded for like four months to just break machinery left and right, really expensive machinery. And he was like, you just broke a piston from Germany and that's costing my company a lot of money. And I'm like, I promise you, I'll make it up to you promise. Um, so it was, it was getting people to believe. And I love this story. If anyone hasn't heard it of Sarah Blakely of Spanx, mm-hmm. who would cut out her 
pantyhose, which isn't even a word today. Um, but she would cut out, you know, the feet in her pantyhose. And then she went to hosiery mills and they were all like, no one's going to want this idea. And she was like, mm, I think any girl wearing jeans does or any girl wearing a dress does. And she got told no a lot too. And then now she's Spanx and she was our first female billionaire. Yeah. I mean, the rejection is such a huge, yes. huge part of it. And oh, I yeah. want to talk more about that with you. But were you just cold pitching these people yeah. initially? Yeah. And they were all saying like, I'll take a meeting with you, but I don't know what, what yes. the next, that's what they're all saying. Some okay. of them wouldn't take a meeting with me. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like, what company are you with? And I'm like, well, it's, I'm Sarah. And they're like, right. But what company are you with? Like Mac or L'Oreal or Estee Lauder? Who are you with? And I was like, okay, it's me. Um, but the ones that did take a meeting with me were just like, you know, good luck to you, but like, we're not going to make this. And now what's really funny, Alexa, is that these labs all make it now for the big guys. Like they're all making it for like the big girls. I bet they now want a piece of you and you're like, no, I found (laughs) mine. We're good. How did you overcome the rejection? Because as a young entrepreneur, that's something that so many people struggle with. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even want to dive into, they're too scared of the of the fear of the no. Mm-hmm. And I think the opposite way, like the no keeps me going. If I was yeah. saying yes, 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 I would, I, what would I have to work to? But right. you seem the same way as that, but yeah. most people are not. So how did you deal with that initially as a young entrepreneur? I mean, it was like, it was part soul crushing, but part like fire. Mm-hmm. It puts a fire in your belly when you believe in something so much and you're being told like, you know, nah, and you're give, you're being given like a lazy no, not even like a a really smart no. You're being given like a mailed in no, or we're not going to try no. Like I would just be like, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna work harder than you are right now, and I'm gonna get a yes. So it it kind of puts fire in you. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's really discouraging. Sometimes you get a no. We still get no's today, you know. And you just have to be like, well, that sucks. But there's probably a yes around the corner. So advice for young entrepreneurs who are listening and are like, it's so much easier said than done. Like I get a no and it just destroys me. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that young person who starts like, you know, a nail polish company or wants to like be the next lip scrub, whatever, and yeah. they pitch it to a hundred people and they get no, no, no. How, how, what's the next step for them? Keep going. If you believe in it, if you really love what you're doing and you really think you have something, keep going because everyone gets no's. Don't believe Instagram. Like people put their wins on Instagram. They, I love to put my fails on Instagram, you know, and I get noted all the time. I get noted in our office. People are like, that's a terrible idea. And I'm like, oh, so we're not making that, you know? So like, no, if you really believe in something, like don't let it crush your spirit. Keep going. And everyone, it doesn't matter if you're like at your home in your kitchen trying to do something or if you're like Estee Lauder, they get noted too. So let's talk about social media because mm-hmm. I know mental health is also something you're interested yeah, in and have spoken sure. about. Yeah. And you also have a daughter. Yeah, I do. And she's your only one? She's my only. Yeah. Okay. And how yeah. old is she? She's almost six. Okay. Wow. So that's mm-hmm. like, that That to me, my nephew is um two. And this yeah. age group of like under 18 gives me anxiety. Like, I don't know how as a parent <laughs> you advise these children to like... Mm-hmm. I don't even not become depressed from Instagram or like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that's my first question. Like, what is your game plan as like a mom entrepreneur who's yeah. so successful and also has a six-year-old in mm-hmm. terms of making sure that they're on the right path, especially with what negativity social media can bring? Yeah, that's a great question, Alexa. I um, So first of all, I bring Julia to work with me a lot. Like I'll bring her to the office. I'll bring her to dinners that are past her bedtime um, so that she knows what I'm doing and she knows where these little pots of lip scrub and lip gloss come from and how it how it works and like see our team and see like that, you know, there's a lot of processes behind, you know, what comes home or, or I make her mindful of like that affords 
you know, that affords our house, that affords like your LOL doll, you know, like work (laughs) creates money, creates the life that you want. And I really want her to know that because I grew up very simply. I did not grow up in LA where things are just, I think, very different. And I really appreciate that. The other thing is I, I rarely wear makeup when I'm with her. Like I just am like, I mean, Maddie knows like I'm like messy bun getting it done, mom. I live on like dry bar detox shampoo, (laughs) you know? And so like with her, I always say to her, like my favorite you is like bedhead you. And I think like the crazier the hair, the cooler the girl. So I just really try to like let her know, like sometimes I look like this and I have eyelash extensions and I dye my hair. Like she thinks that she got her, she has really long blonde hair and she thinks she got it from me. I'm like, you didn't get it from me. Mommy has brown hair and it takes a lot of money (laughs) and time. So I'll take her to the salon and I'll show her what I do. But also I'll remind her that like, you know, stuff you see, like this this is mommy and I love this mommy with no makeup on. And then this mommy goes and kind of like puts on a show, you know, and I'm still the same mommy, but I love myself either way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the other day she told me, she's like, mom, your butt has gotten so big. And I was like, you know what, baby? Like, I really love my butt. And sometimes it's bigger and sometimes it's smaller and you never know. And like every girl's the right size for her. That's so, ins- no, that's so cute yeah. and so inspiring. <laughs> yeah. And like, obviously, I mean, your social media especially is also so authentic, which mm. a lot of people who are, you know, have a consumer brand like yourself may shy away from that or like mm-hmm. only post the product. And I think like you are your brand. I mean, it's your name, yeah. especially because it's your name. Like I think being able to show who you are behind this company and this brand is like so important to Thanks. building. Thanks. Well, and that's what I try to do at Sarah Hop herself. I really do show like my wins and my losses. And in day, I mean, I might cry on my Insta story because I miss my child or I feel like I epically failed my team for whatever reason at work. Um, you know, I, it can be a real, it can be a really confusing space if you just look at everyone's um, wins. I also, I think Maddie and I talked about this. I have a spark joy rule for my Instagram my personal Instagram. I follow right now, I think like 200 people and all of them have to like bring joy to me or bring really valuable pain. I love that. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to look at like competition. I'm not going to look at people that are knocking me off. I'm not going to look at accounts where someone's life looks like Barbie perfect. Like, or I love like Glennon Doyle and she is, she's really honest and she posts really relevant things that are brutal. So it's like valuable pain, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's not like depressing pain. It's like valuable pain. So I, I, I'm really careful about who I even look at and listen to. Well, that's the key to navigating the waters of social media is mm-hmm. you don't have to be following, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm so depressed. And I mean, I've even battled this too, but you can yeah. easily mute somebody or unfollow somebody. Yeah. It's not like the deciding factor. No, like do what gives you joy. Like do it. Uh, to me, Instagram is like a safe place where I think for a lot of people, it's a stressful place. Mm-hmm not Mm because I don't look at anything that stresses me out. I mean, my gosh, the news already stresses me out enough. So like, I don't need like someone's weirdly perfect life or perfect body to stress me out too. No, hundred percent. And I mean, that's not reality. It's a highlight real social media. And just for you listeners out there, like I just did a quick story with Alexa and I'm having like, you know, an I don't love my face day. So of course I put Paris filter on our story. You know, like I have bags under my eyes. I ate lots of salt last night. It's fine. But I Paris filtered it. That's what you're getting even when it looks like super BTS. And, you know, like that everyone's messing with themselves somehow. 
No, you're so right. I mean, you look literally, I mean, you guys, like Sarah is the like epitome of the person I would look up to for my beauty advice. So I don't think <laughs> I look like you if I eat a lot of salt, probably the opposite. You're so but, cute. Um, I mean, so I, I, you know, everything you did to build Sarah Happy, you did so um, kind of traditionally and organically, yeah. especially when it comes to PR. And I think that everything you said is so crucial for young people to realize. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of people who are listening to this podcast or even just me and they're like, you know, they have an idea, whatever it may be. And they're like, what's the first thing that I do? And they're like, I want to post it on Instagram and I posted it and it's getting no feedback. Um, so I'm curious as an entrepreneur like yourself who has done this, the, the way, like, I don't think social media is the way to like mm -hmm. make your brand successful. You've done it the way that I want everyone to know is the true way. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? You know, what is the first step for these young people? And they think that the only way their company can be successful is Instagram. Um, I would say go to real people because no matter how big your Instagram following is, if no one's going to buy your product, it doesn't matter right? Or you can have a giant Instagram following and you put out a bad product and then you giantly fail, right? So like I would say go to real people, real people that can touch and feel and use whatever you've created. If you're, I'm talking to people that are like creating a product of some kind. Um, give it to real people, have them handle it, have them use it, get in there and be, be willing to accept their feedback because when it goes to Nordstrom or you actually do launch the app, you know, on Apple, like you're going to get real feedback. So start, I did, I remember doing like case studies with like my girlfriends and my sisters and my sister's friends and being like, here, everyone try a lip scrub and like, tell me what you really think. And I, I forgot that I did that, but I did. I probably ran it past like 30 girls before I even launched a website. So those kind of case studies you think are... Yeah, like give it to real people because Instagram is one thing, right? But like if people get your product from Instagram and then they don't like it, well, you're going to get like negative feedback. So yeah. do it in real life first. Do everything in real life first would be my... That would be my um, advice today. So true. Do you think that college helped you with what you're doing now and how your life has kind of ventured off into entrepreneurship? For sure, yes. So um, USC... It's funny. We had our chemists in the office the other day and they were like, did you study chemistry? And I was like, guys, have we met? No, I got a D in chemistry. Like I begged for a D in chemistry, but I can write and I love research and I love journalism. So going to journalism school for me taught me to research. And then that desire to research and to not quit like I went to USC Annenberg and the whole thing was like, you would fail a class if you didn't get a story. They'd be like, don't come to class on Monday unless you got the story that we wanted you to get. So when I was researching my company or my idea in 2005, where a lot of people get bogged down, I was like, okay, well, that lab said no. I'm going to wait for my yes. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to read FDA laws. And I'm going to read like about parabens and why they're bad and how I should formulate my product. And I, I dove so deep. And I love speaking at Annenberg today because I know I'm not a journalist. Like that's what I was trained to do. But like I'm a deep diver. After starting a company at the age of 25, which is a very like tender age for anyone mm -hmm. and figuring out so much stuff anytime in your 20s, did you have moments where you were like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Like, yeah, or, or I still like, have moments like that. I think I had a moment like that, like this morning. Yes, all the time. For sure I did. And what do you say to yourself to kind of rebound from that? You say to yourself, you're just, I mean, everything is temporary. Whatever you're going through, whether it's like, a school fail or a friendship fail or a work fail or like whatever it is, like everything is temporary. 
the good's temporary, the bad's temporary. Things can change really fast. Um, I gave my friend Allie this little charm of lightning and I love lightning because it's like stuff can change like lightning, you know, good and bad can strike. So like whatever it is, like there's, it's probably going to change. Also, like just expect the good, expect it. Because like worrying about the bad is probably not helpful. So kind of manifest what you want. I believe in manifesting. I really do. I believe in envisioning, like really envisioning what you want and envisioning like even how you want to feel, you know, like if you're feeling horribly, like, I don't know, like sure, go to yoga, definitely. But also just like envision like the joy that you want to be feeling. And I'm not saying that envisioning stuff, you know, can completely boost your mood. I'm a big believer in like Western medicine and stuff like that. But, you know, I think just, really focusing on the positive and, you know, I keep a gratitude journal every night. And so the day might feel like a total fail, but I'll put stuff in there like, oh, that really nice lady on Pacific Coast Highway who like let me cut her off, you know, like that was really sweet of her. Um, And my daughter and I do a gratitude ceremony every night where we say three things that we're grateful for. I'm coming over to dinner at your house next week. I need one of these ceremonies. (laughs) Well, we'll have takeout. Okay. Yes, come on over. We'll have takeout, Alexa, for sure. I'll be there. No, my, my <laughs> friend, I, a few weeks ago, I was having such a terrible day. And um, yeah. my friend, group ch- I had told her, and she group chatted me in a chat with her mom, who's this very, yes. like, kind of just, like, L.A., like, very wealthy woman. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I mean, I love her mom, but I'm like, I don't want, like, oh, like, have a good day. Like, and and she she said, like, Alexa's having a really shitty day. Like, say something to her. And her mom just wrote back gratitude. Oh, man. And I looked at it and was yeah. like, I don't even know what that means. And then, I like, five minutes later, I looked back and was like, I don't. I have no, like, I, I wasn't at that, I had no gratitude. And I yeah. was like, I really should actually, like, have gratitude. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so that word is actually so key. And I think maintaining some level of, like, happiness and self-awareness. 100%. And put things into perspective because whatever you're going through, A, someone's going through the same thing and they might be going through much worse. So, like, everyone who's walking around, whether you're, like, at Target or you're driving your car or you're at school or whatever, like you're going through something, everyone's going through something and your worst day might be some people's best day. Always. You know? So yeah. what's kind of the end goal for Sarah Hap? I mean, now you're sold in J. Crew, which is how I initially came mm-hmm. across you guys. Mm-hmm. But to uh, any that. other, you know, builder of a company, not builder, like actual builder, but you know, mm-hmm. somebody who's built a company, they'd be like, that's the top. All I want to be in is J. Crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you continue to grow? What is the next thing that you admire to do? I want to just keep creating lip products that are incredible, that are like first to market, that fill a need that you didn't know you needed, that you didn't know you wanted. And um, that's like, that's the fun of it to me. And that's what gets us into J. Crew or gets us into Ulta or like I'm going to QVC next week. You get those things by creating things that don't exist, frankly, or by bettering what does exist. So by like taking something like a lip gloss and being like, all right, here's lip gloss like 2.0. Like here's how lip gloss should be. It should taste good. It should go on well. It should wear all day. You know, so it's like creating like perfect products. And at this point I have a team around me of people who enabled me to do that. And um, that's really lovely. So I just, I go nuts about like product creation. I think about this stuff all the time. You truly have to disrupt the market. Thank you. Which is what you've done. Thanks. Do you think that as an entrepreneur, and this is my last question, you know, if you have an idea or something and you want to make it successful, do you think that all entrepreneurs have this kind of like fire inside of them? You mentioned Sarah Blakely, who's Mm -hmm. obviously completely disrupted that market. Mm -hmm. And I think like even myself as an entrepreneur, like you, every entrepreneur I find has that just like obsession with that. You can't stop. Yeah. 
But what do you say to the people who are like, you know, I think I have that, but like, I don't really know I'm passionate about this idea, but like, I want to make it into something. I mean, how do you find that like obsession to be successful in you? Mm -hmm. Or are some people born with it and some people aren't? I think it's like you measure how hard you'd work for it. Like for me, it meant giving up my social life for a year. I literally didn't see anyone. I didn't do anything but make a lip scrub for a year at night on the weekends, like didn't go to like bars with my friends, didn't go out to dinner. Like I was home Googling stuff, you know? So it's like, how hard are you willing to work for it? And if you'd rather not do it, you probably don't have that fire. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that if you really want to be an entrepreneur, like someday you can't come up with that, you know? An entrepreneur, I really do think of entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism is like many different things. I think you can work for a giant corporation and think in a very entrepreneurial way. Oh, yeah. Think outside the box. Doesn't just mean you have to start a company or create a product. Like you can work at like a giant company and think outside the box. And that's so cool too. There's so much value in that. You can work a nine to five job and you don't have to consider yourself normal. A hundred percent. And like you can really kill it in corporate America by thinking outside the box. So I think it's like think outside the box or if it's going to be yours, how, what are you willing to give up? How hard are you willing to hustle? I love that round of applause. Where can everyone, like, where are the main places to buy Sarah? I know I mentioned yeah. J. Crew. Yeah. So I'm always supposed to say sarahap.com. I forget that, but yes, we do have a website. It all lives there. It's never out of stock. Um, Nordstrom, Ulta, Blue Mercury, um, QVC, Amazon. Badass. Like but then all also, the places. all the places, all the places, but also, also like indie boutiques. Like if you're in like Asheville, North Carolina, like go downtown or probably in that like female owned clothing store. Um, so indie boutiques are a really big deal to me because they loved me long before Ulta ever said yes to me. Kind of like so like yeah. yeah. So like we're in, I think between any t- anywhere between like four and 500 boutiques. Um, so like, please go to your downtown and I really hope we're sold there wherever you live. And again, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the episode, where can everyone find you and the company on social media? Yeah. So me personally, I'm Sarah Hap herself. And that's like the behind the scenes. That's my good days, my bad days, me making, still mixing product in my kitchen because I still go to, you know, my kitchen to like mix stuff. Um, even though I have really smart chemists in a lab, I still do that at home. So it's like, that's the behind the scenes and that's like the real deal. And then at Sarah Hap or Sarah Hap on Facebook um, or yeah, that's like the company and that's where like all the lip answers live and all the product lives and it's much more curated. Well, you probably could have at this point sold the company and have done whatever and you're still in your kitchen making product. Like that <laughs> is the definition of the fire. Thanks. That's it. Thanks. To be clear, people sometimes ask me when like I'm at Ulta, they're like, did you make this? And I'm like, well, no, I didn't make this in my kitchen. I made it 15 years ago in my kitchen. But yeah, I still mix stuff. Yeah. Like we just put out this lip illuminator and on a Sunday, my little girl and I like mixed pigments together. And then I handed it over to my very smart chemist and I was like, okay, here's this in Tupperware. Like actually make it real yeah. now. Like let's add the good stuff. So yeah, I still love to like mix with stuff. I think the way maybe people love to bake or to cook, sure. you just all like messing around with stuff. Yeah. I mess around with beauty, not food. Um, but yeah, then I have wiser minds actually make it for me. <laughs> well, I mean, you are the brains behind the company. So whether you're messing mm-hmm. around or chemically putting stuff together that I personally couldn't do, you've created something that has made waves in the 
industry. So huge congratulations to you. Thank you, Alexa. Um, And thank you so much for stopping by this podcast. For those of you listening, make sure to follow Sarah as well as go on her website. I feel like probably the website is the best place to even more learn more about you. Yeah. The website's great because it answers like every lip question you could possibly have. And it walks you through how to use our products. Like we really want you to understand like what a lip scrub is, what a lip mask is, why you should use night cream for your lips. So everything is there. We don't sell out on our own website. Other places do sell out. We don't. And um, all, all the answers live there. A lot of like really good, fast information. Well, I will make sure to link everything below so you guys can find out more on Sarah as well as her social media. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast this week. This is now one of my favorite episodes. We're almost at episode 100 too. So how amazing is that? Congratulations to you. I would have had you on for episode 100. Oh my gosh. Um, But I can't wait to hear from more of you guys, whether you're subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review or I love getting your emails on who you want to see on the podcast next and make sure to follow the podcast on social media at at T-I-L-U podcast and my personal social media, which is at Alexa underscore Curtis. And I will see you guys next week for a new episode of This Is Life Unfiltered. Bye guys. (laughs) 